back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with my partner in crime in this fantasy, this dynasty football game, Alex Lott, the phenom, the fantasy phenom. Welcome back to the show. Say what's up to the people, my guy. It is good to be here today. We are coming up quickly on free agency. So right now is kind of like that dead period in dynasty fantasy football in the NFL offseason. There's still some moves happening. We were just talking about J.J. Watt to the Arizona Cardinals. There's some smaller moves happening as well. Texans cutting Duke Johnson, Vikings cutting Kyle Rudolph. All this stuff has implications, but we're about to get into the thick of it. Steph and I were literally just like dreaming about free agency in the NFL draft for a long, long time before we press press the record button because it's just going to be such a fun offseason. A lot of pieces have already moved, thinking about some of the quarterbacks that have been traded. We know there's going to be more to come as well. A lot of good free agents, a lot of good talent in the draft. So we're just about to get into the big stuff, Steph. I'm super hyped to get into some of these topics today. And you know it's real when I, I get a notification like every hour that Alex has made some roster move with some deep name we've never even heard of, never even talked about him, just based on some super deep third string free agent signing. It's crazy out here, and that's a sign of the times, man. We're desperate for this fantasy content. We want to bring that today. We got a bunch of topics loaded up. We're talking about player values all over the board. We'll get into some buy lows, some deep names as well that we've had our eyes on this season. But Alex, let's start with kind of a headliner topic. All the rookie running backs from 2020 have shown that this class was one of the best that we've seen maybe ever in the NFL. You know, we talk about Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, James Robinson coming out of the woodwork and delivering one of the biggest fantasy performances by any running back in 2020. But let's do a little comparison here. Let's do a value heat check by comparing Cam Akers and Antonio Gibson. These are guys that are in the upper echelon for a lot of dynasty managers I think most would have Cam Akers ahead of Antonio Gibson, but Alex, I'm curious to hear what's your thought when comparing the two. I'm right there as well, Steph. I mean, both of them, great young running backs that saw a lot of work last season, have a roadmap to a really good workload, really good volume moving forward. But I'll hit on Akers first because for me, he is a top 10 Sheesh. dynasty running back. And the reason being is th- there's a lot of factors that go into it. But one, we know the upside is there. If the work is there in this Rams offense, we have seen what a Rams running back can do when they're featured Todd Gurley a couple seasons ago with Sean McVay. So that's like the upside for a guy like Cam Akers. You think about the fact he's only 21 years old, one of the youngest rookies coming out of that class last season. Like I said, he's in that Sean McVay offense. They also get a quarterback upgrade bringing in Matt Stafford. So you would think that's going to lead to more touchdown opportunities more red zone opportunities for cam Akers, and as far as i'm concerned he is set to be a workhorse back heading into 2021 i know there's some coach speak with sean mcveigh talking about oh cam Akers is definitely a workhorse back but i want to see it on the field i just don't want to hear it out of a coach's mouth but over the last four games that cam Akers played in the regular season and in the playoffs 
we saw Sean McVay's words come to life in those last four games of the regular season. Acres 21 carries and three targets a game into Sheesh. playoff games, 23 carries per game. So this guy is getting the work and he is doing good things with the ball when the ball is in his hands. So I'm not worried about Malcolm Brown. No. I'm not worried about Daryl Henderson. You have a perfect roadmap here, a good offense, an offensive-minded head coach, and the potential for a workhorse young running back. So there's nothing not to like about Cam Akers. He can do it in the receiving game a little bit as well. He's a locked-in top 10 guy for me. Steph, what are your thoughts you on know, Akers? You know I love Akers. Um, you know, for both Akers and Gibson, I think both are easily in my top 10. I, I want to start gushing over Gibson. Really? What are your thoughts on him? To me, he's one tier down from Cam Akers. And wow. honestly, a lot of it is due... The situations are fairly similar, but with Gibson, there's just a couple of things that detract that value from what we see out of Cam Akers. I mean, Gibson showed he has the upside to be an RB1. He has passing game upside as well. Um, but two and a half receptions a game last season, it's okay for the running back spot. Certainly not bad, but J.D. McKissick was there. It seems like they want to use other running backs in the offense, whether it's J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber or whether it's going to be someone else in the future. We haven't, we've seen really, really good workload from Gibson. We've seen solid snap counts from Antonio Gibson, but we haven't seen Gibson in a true workhorse role getting like 80, 90% of the snaps and the volume. So for me, I feel like Washington is going to move forward wanting to rotate in other guys, whether it's guys they have on the roster now or guys they look to in free agency in the draft. So that is one concern. We haven't seen even a glimpse, even a small sample size of workhorse volume for Gibson. His, his volume's been great. I don't want to take that away from him. Um, but but that's definitely a concern because of the snap counts and because of usage of some of the other guys. The second thing is just the offense. They don't have a quarterback right now. I mean, Taylor Heineke, it looks like he's set to be the starter heading into the Taylor season. Taylor Heineke, the GOAT. Unless they make some sort of change. So just it's a worse offense. There's lower touchdown upside, even though Gibson somehow was able to squeeze out 11 rushing touchdowns in 2020. So for those two small reasons, I have him a tear down. Having said that, he's still a top 15 guy for me in Dynasty. Nothing to scoff at. And if I have Gibson as my running back two, I'm feeling fantastic. If he's my running back one and I'm stacked in a couple of other areas at receiver, maybe at quarterback, I'm feeling pretty good as well. So no shame to Gibson. I just want to see a little bit more from him this season. And after the first four weeks, if we start to see him have touchdown upside again in this Washington offense, if we see him play 75, 80, 85% of snaps, get 20 carries a game with some receiving work, that could definitely flip the script and he'll start shooting up my rankings. And, and I have acres over Gibson. Just by a hair, I think I'm a little bit higher on Gibson than you are. With Akers, though, we saw, like you said, right, the volume when he was given the reins. It feels like he's 100% getting the reins next season based on what we saw in the playoffs. But I would argue that Antonio Gibson has the higher upside of the two, and he's firmly at number eight. He's in my top eight wow. in Dynasty. Amongst all running backs, he's, he's already had a year of higher-level production than Cam Akers. And he's had less severe injuries. And shout out to my guy, Jeremiah McMillan, at jmcmillan54 on Twitter. He tweeted this out on Antonio Gibson. It blew my mind. Antonio Gibson was the RB13 in PPR last season, despite only playing more than 50% of snaps five times and only getting 44 targets. And that was on a team that ranked 30th in yards per game, 26th in rushing yards per game, and 25th in points per game. So... That's the inflation that double-digit touchdowns will give you, but what's going to change for Gibson? Maybe a QB change, 
that likely results in an upgrade. I don't think it can get much worse than it was. True. Even though Alex Gibson was, or not Alex, Alex Smith was a checkdown machine. Uh, Peyton Barber, who had four touchdowns of his own, is a cut candidate heading into a contract year. J.D. McKissick also entering a contract year. He showed mo- nothing more than that he was a checkdown threat, and and Gibson already matched his efficiency when we look at yards per route run, yards per reception. Gibson was right there with him as a rookie, and J.D. McKissick saw the second highest target share among any running back in fantasy last season. Do we ever see that happening again? Especially with no Alex Smith. I certainly don't. And on top of that, McKissick is an undrafted free agent while Gibson was an early third round pick. The team has every reason to go all in on Antonio Gibson as a featured bell cow workhorse back next season. And every reason to give McKissick even less work starting as soon as 2021. So Gibson is one of the few running backs that I think could go absolutely nuclear in every facet of the game. Touchdowns, receiving work, efficiency on the ground. He's shown it all. These guys are both in my top eight, but... Uh, I think the ceiling is actually higher if we look at it for Antonio Gibson, but you're right. It's just less proven snap count. Yeah, I I don't necessarily disagree with anything you're saying. I think Gibson is a fantastic asset, but I'm not convicted enough on Gibson and his future to go and buy him right now because I think the price is going to be fairly high. All these managers that have Gibson on their team got him cheap. They got a fantastic season on him. They see the writing on the wall too. They're like, dang, he got hurt a little bit last season. The snaps weren't there. They're drinking the Kool-Aid right now. Exactly. So you're going to have trouble buying him. And if I have him, I'm definitely not selling. He's a hold for me in just about every scenario. I think the our arguments are the same. I think the only difference is maybe there's some other guys on my list that I do value a little bit higher. Guys like a Joe Mixon that we've talked about before. Check out our debate on Joe Mixon that we had last <laughs> week. If you haven't already, that's a good one there. But Sheesh. I think I slide a couple guys in front of him, um, Cam Akers included. But I, I think we're, we're speaking the same language here. Gibson's definitely a hold. If you have him, you're not selling him. And if for some strange reason someone in your league is willing to give Gibson up, thinks they're selling high on him, go scoop him up. Now let's switch gears. We're going to move away from these young, exciting running backs to an older receiver total other end of the spectrum here tyler lockett you know mm-hmm. there were rumors swirling around with russell wilson potentially leaving the seahawks i i think we both put zero stock in any of those headlines it just felt like a slow news day as we're gearing up for free agency and the draft just wanted to keep some headlines going but tyler lockett was a name that came up in a lot of twitter circles especially his dynasty value i saw some polarizing takes on him A lot of people saying sell for anything you can now. Other guys saying, hey, I'm willing to buy low because um, Lockett's been a consistent option for many, many years. Tyler Lockett, he's 28 years old. Other guys there are Devonta Adams, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen. A lot of guys would put Lockett in that same tier. For me, he's a high-end wide receiver three in Dynasty, probably on the cusp of top 30. But he, he's one of those older wide receivers that still kind of feels like he's in his prime. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you have Tyler Lockett, you're definitely not selling for anything you can. I mean, for goodness sakes, this isn't an A.J. Green. He's not a T.Y. Hilton. He's not a Julian Edelman. He's not <laughs> you know, a Todd Gurley. Guys that are pretty much totally washed. Like Tyler Lockett had a fantastic season, 100 receptions, over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns last year. Like. Yes, he can be a little bit inconsistent at times, but he hasn't lost anything. I do also fully expect Russell Wilson to be back in Seattle next season. And honestly, I think 
with this whole Russell Wilson scenario, the whole thing is about getting him protected on the O-line and him wanting to really unleash and throw the ball more like we saw the first half of last season. So if anything, I don't think Russell Wilson gets moved, and I think he will end up getting his way and get a little bit more say in the offense. Maybe he does get an uptick in passing volume, especially with Chris Carson likely leaving in free agency. So with Lockett, I don't think he's necessarily a must-sell right now. Honestly, if I have Lockett right now, I'm waiting for the season to get here. I'm waiting until he has a pop week and, you know, in the first half of the season. And then I might sell him if I'm rebuilding. Right now is not the time to sell a guy like Tyler Lockett. The value of draft picks is rising. Rookie picks are getting more and more valuable. So if you are a rebuilding team, I get it. If you can get a late first for Tyler Lockett, maybe it's worth it. And you pick up one of these young guys in the NFL draft. But if you're just selling him, selling low on Tyler Lockett, I think you're making a big mistake because when the NFL regular season comes around, I think there will be a point in time when Lockett's value um, starts to rise back up again. It might only be for a short window, but I think right now is definitely the wrong time to sell. And if you're a contender, I mean, he's a great guy to have. So if you are a contending team and someone is selling off Tyler Lockett for scraps, by all means, I'm willing to lowball offer them maybe a mid-second, even an early second to try to pick him up. Lockett definitely moved down in the rankings, but that's not necessarily an indictment on him as a fantasy option or really on on his value too much. But he did show us this year, yes, you know, he's older. There's going to be a new injection of talent into the league. Some of those names are going to jump over Tyler Lockett right away just because they're younger. Think of names like Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, already ahead of Tyler Lockett um, without you know more than a season of production and this was even before the season I think we would have had some of those names over a guy like Lockett but on top of the age he also showed us how boom bust he can be he finishes the PPR wide receiver 8 12th in fantasy points per game it's crazy but in 7 out of 16 games in 2020 he had single digit fantasy points almost half of his games last year he had single digit fantasy point outings he had 10 games with less than 15 points in PPR leagues and this is happening in a season where Wilson set a career high in pass attempts. So that's concerning. That's concerning. It may be like, hey, we've already seen Lockett at his peak, at his ceiling. Of course, he's trending down because he's getting older. But I think there may be more to that than necessarily meets the eye. I love him in a, a you know redraft for next year. He's probably going to be undervalued because now he's one of those, again, another year older. Uh, people are thinking that you know the Russell Wilson turmoil may impact some of his value. He's a clear sell in a dynasty rebuild. Any any wide receiver, oh, the age of like 27 is definitely a sell and a rebuild, probably over 26. And he's a hold if you're a contender, unless you can get a first round pick or a solid option like a DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Jerry Judy, and a second, maybe a late second to go along with that. I think those are deals that you can make. Uh, but you're right, you're not going to get those values right now heading into free agency in the draft. I think you got to wait till the season starts. And, and that's really the the takeaway here with Tyler Lockett. But let's talk about some pre-free agency deep shots that are by lows right now in Dynasty. We always talk about deep shots during the season. These are just flyer names, DFS names. Who are some names like that, Alex, for you in Dynasty right now where you can get them for pennies on the dollar? Mm-hmm. And if they hit, they're going to pay massive dividends. Yeah, this will be fun. We'll talk about several names in this segment. Yeah, these are guys pennies on the dollar. We're talking like throw out a late third or a fourth round pick for these guys. They might even be on your waiver wire in a deep dynasty league. So by all means, check for that as well. But the first guy on my list is Quintez Cephas. I just picked him up 
in the league that we are in together, Steph. And you should be able to get this guy for a mid to late third round pick, no problem. Cephas was a fifth round draft pick last season for the Detroit Lions. You know, he was stashed behind several wide receivers on that roster, but did make a couple of plays last season, got some opportunity to get out on the field, which for a fifth round pick to get as much playing time as Cephas got as a rookie is already pretty encouraging. And when you look at this Lions roster, yes, they're going down to Jared Goff from Matt Stafford, but Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Danny Amendola are all set to be free agents. Actually, the only two guys set to be under contract next season right now at wide receiver are Cephas and Geronimo Allison, who didn't even play last year. So there's clearly huge potential for a guy like Quintez Cephas next season. Even if one of these guys comes back in free agency, even if Galladay's back, Marvin Jones is back, which I actually don't expect. Cephas could find himself as the starting number two receiver for the Detroit Lions. And when you're talking about a late flyer in the third round, you're hoping to get a guy that's on the field. When you're talking about someone on the waiver wire, you're hoping to get someone that finally sees playing time. So who knows if Cephas ends up as a starter for the Detroit Lions next season, he could turn into something. He was a really, really good player at Wisconsin, really good college tape, really good college Um, statistics. He made a lot of plays at Wisconsin. So Cephas definitely has talent. It's just a matter of can he develop to the speed of the NFL? Can he establish a connection with Jared Goff? And is he going to get the opportunity to be out on the field? But right now would be the perfect opportunity to buy low on him before we know the destination of some of these other guys. Because if you wait, it might be too late. And the thought of the potential knowing that he's going to be out on the field might drive his price a little bit too high. Cephas is an interesting option. I saw some things to like and some things to not like from his 2020 campaign, but definitely a guy you can get for really cheap that could get into a great situation in a team that's really in full rebuild mode. Like this may be just because of the nature of the churn on that roster. He could be thrust into a pretty big role pretty quickly next year. And based on a study, I believe it was Rotoviz, they looked at rookie draft ADPs Players that went in the third round or later that had two or more starter level seasons in fantasy football was 4%. Literally a 4% likelihood that a third round pick in a rookie draft is going to hit. So if you can take a guy who's going to get thrust into a great situation right away and has that big upside, I, I don't mind that move at all. Let me throw one out there. You might have to pay up a little bit more for this guy, especially if the, the dynasty owner is me. And I have him on my roster because I love Tyler Johnson. Just came off a pretty solid rookie year where he showed a lot of flashes for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a 22, not even 23 yet. He's 22.6 years old. He's 6'2", 206. Love the size and speed there. He was a super efficient stud in college at Minnesota. And we have Chris Godwin potentially leaving in free agency he may get the franchise tag. That's that's the most recent rumor that I saw. I've also seen rumors that Godwin could be looking at a landing spot like the Indianapolis Colts uh, as a place that he could land if he wants to go out and get his big second contract. But Antonio Brown was sitting on the bench in some of the games late in the season for the Buccaneers. Tyler Johnson came in, and I the announcers during the games were talking about, you know, I think AB's hurt. I don't think he was hurt at all. I think Tyler Johnson was just looking great in those games, had a good night. And AB was kind of on the opposite, had a bad night. So give me Tyler Johnson making some incredible catches in clutch moments. Alex, where would you say he would go? You know, I want to say second round pick is a little too early, but any third is tremendous value to me for for Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I'd probably throw out a mid third for him. I think 
I, I honestly think I would rather have Cephas based on the opportunity, not necessarily the talent, because with Tyler Johnson, you said it, it a lot of it comes down to Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown and free agency. And so far, it feels like chances are one of the two could be back in Tampa Bay, if not both. So obviously, if if all those guys are back, Tyler Johnson's going to be buried again. And then it's just a matter of time of when is he going to get his opportunity with a guy like Quintez Cephas. I do think that between Galladay, Jones, Amendola, there's a much, much, much higher likelihood that the opportunity is going to be there. So similar ballpark, because I, I would probably prefer Tyler Johnson's talent based on what we saw as a rookie. So, yeah, that mid third late third, I would definitely be willing to take the flyer on Tyler Johnson, see what happens. Um, if he is buried on the depth chart again, like you said, Steph, whoever you were going to pick up with that late flyer pick probably would have been buried on that depth chart as well. But I know you're going to talk about one more receiver here. I'll go ahead and, and set you up for this one. Darnell Mooney on the Chicago Bears, very similar situation. There's some opportunity potentially happening there as well with Allen Robinson possibly leaving in free agency. Steph, what are your thoughts on Darnell Mooney? Yeah, he's another guy that would gladly send a third round pick for maybe even a late second if I can throw another piece into the deal as well. Because Darnell Mooney actually showed some of the best production out of all the rookie wide receivers that came out of this class. And it was an incredible class. And when we look at the situation, obviously the hype is going to be there because Allen Robinson it's probably gone in free agency from the Chicago Bears. But despite the QB situation, Darnell Mooney produced 61 targets. I'm sorry, 98 targets, 61 catches for 631 yards and four touchdowns. He is a pure deep threat burner, but I think he has a little bit more than that. He ran a 4-3-5-40 at the combine. Extremely impressive. But I could see him turning into... A guy that's kind of like Emmanuel Sanders, where yes, he can be a burner, but he doesn't necessarily have to be pigeonholed into an outside flyer um, you know, or a field stretcher. Give Mooney another year or two of development. Uh, and with the situation this year, he's another guy. He could be thrust into a big role. I'll take the flyer on Mooney over any third round pick. And again, I just want to preface this as well. Our default when we're talking dynasty is super flex. So when we're talking about these third round picks, we are talking about them in a context of a super flex league. But Alex, you like my, my Mooney take there? He's a guy I'm really high it. on. Yeah, I'll take him over any third-round pick in this year's rookie draft. I'll take him over Cephas. I'll take him over Tyler Johnson. And I think you could legitimately get him four or three, especially as this draft type picks up. You do look at that quarterback situation. It's got to improve, right? Like you said it, despite the poor quarterback situation, fantastic rookie season numbers-wise, was on the field a ton as well. He got a huge snap share considering the fact that he was another – fifth round rookie wide receiver last and he beat year. Out, he beat out Anthony Miller as a rookie. Absolutely. And Anthony Miller and Javon Wims, both guys on the Bears that could be cut candidates heading into this offseason. So there could be even more opportunity for Mooney moving forward. Quite frankly, like you said, an Emmanuel Sanders comp is perfect for him. Even if Allen Robinson is back, which I really don't think he will be, with better quarterback play, Mooney could continue to be a fantasy football asset. If A-Rob is gone and Mooney is thrown into this perceived wide receiver one role, he could absolutely Yeesh. emerge this this coming season. So how many guys could you get for a third-round pick that have any kind of potential to be their team's number one receiver um, in 2021? Not many, and Mooney definitely has that potential. He showed the talent as well, made a lot of plays down the field. I absolutely love that pickup. But, Steph, we'll go ahead and talk about one more guy. And if you listened to us last offseason, you're probably sick of hearing me talk about this guy, but – 
I'm Here much we lower. Go. I'm much lower on him now. It's Tyler Higby, and I'll keep it quick here. I know he burned a lot of people last season in redraft. He absolutely set the world on fire by his amazing run to end the 2019 season. But here's the thing. They got a clear upgrade at quarterback in Matt Stafford. Um, Gerald Everett is set to probably leave in free agency as well for the LA Rams. So Tyler Higby, if you have him, hang on to him. If, you, if you're really desperate at tight end, like I don't mind throwing out a that same range we've been talking about, like a mid to late third round pick for Higby. And you should be able to get him fairly easily, maybe even a fourth round pick. Like people are out on Higby because he was he was only serviceable in a couple of games last season. He was on the field a ton, but he was blocking a ton. That might not change with this Ram scheme, but when he is on the field, the opportunity should be there. Like I said, with a better quarterback, without Gerald Everett competing for targets at the tight end spot. So no, I don't think he's going to come out and be a top five tight end. But could he be a serviceable guy that's a top 12 tight end at the end of the season that you can play every single week and hope for a touchdown? Absolutely. And if you're like me and you're not interested in Tyler Higby, then why don't you pick up Bryson Hopkins on the waivers? I like this one as well. I do like this one as well. Bryson Hopkins was a fourth round pick out of Purdue. My big guy that you can find on waiver wires right now, if you have a couple spots you can turn on the back of your roster, I know I always have one for tight ends because... You know, most of my leagues, I have one tight end that I'm going to start all season. And if he goes down, I'm probably screwed. But, you know, that's where you could find a guy like a Logan Thomas, a diamond in the rough. But Bryson Hopkins, six foot four, 245 pounds. I think he's an interesting prospect and he's still young, less than uh, he's not even 24 years old yet. So um, could be an interesting one. You could get put into that tight end one role on the Rams, which I think will have some value. But let's talk about the value of another polarizing player. We try to hit on these guys that could go either way, right? You don't need to be told that Christian McCaffrey is going to be the RB1. So we want to get interesting names on this list. Hit us up in the comments down below. If you can think of any good player topics, you want us to review trades, take a look at your roster, happy to give our recommendations and our two cents in the comments or on the show. You can also hit us up at any time. In season or in the off season, it's a 24-7 year-round thing around here at Double Move Sport that is on Twitter. But Jalen Hurts saw an interesting one here in our mentions. Would you move Jalen Hurts for the 103, the third overall pick in your rookie draft in a super flex league? I think we're both going with the 103 here, but I know you're you're pretty much out on Hurts, which is crazy to me. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it here, but give me the 103 all day for Jalen Hurts. I mean, for me, the reason being is, like, there is no guarantee that Jalen Hurts will be the starter after this season because he hasn't really proven anything yet. He had a couple okay games, but it kind of reminds me of that hot streak we saw from Drew Locke as a rookie. Came in late, not the highest draft capital. Had, like, one, really, if you look at the film, he had one game that was, like, free of mistakes and really, really solid, kind of similar for Jalen Hurts. The other ones were a mixed bag, but because they were winning some games, the the perception was different, and it's all about the new hotness. So to me, there's no guarantee that Jalen Hurts is the starter after the season. If he comes out and doesn't play well, it's kind of similar to Drew Locke. He's immediately going to be on the hot seat, and they might potentially draft a quarterback to replace him or sign someone to replace him in the future. And honestly, there have been rumors they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round of this year's NFL draft. And because of that, he's not even locked in to be the starter in Philly for the entire 2021 season. It sounds like even though the Eagles traded Wentz, they're still not completely sold on Jalen Hurts either. So, no, I don't expect them to draft a quarterback, but still something to look out for. But when you talk about the 103, 
give me the upside and that expected draft capital, which should be in the top 10 of a Justin Fields, of a Zach Wilson all day long. Like I want that quarterback that has the draft capital, that's going to have a long leash, that has just as much upside, if not more, than a guy like Jalen Hurts. I want all those guys. Obviously, landing spot is going to matter, and it's going to be dependent on that. But with the 103, you can kind of wait and see how the draft settles out and take a really good shot on one of those upside quarterbacks. So I'm taking that 103 all day. If I am really quarterback needy, I'm just going to take it. It's a quarterback class that's deep, so I'm going to use it on a quarterback, no problem. But for me, this is all about hedging the risk on Jalen Hurts and selling for extremely high value. Like I do say, I will admit that Jalen Hurts has tremendous upside. Could he be the next Kyler Murray? Sure. Could he be that Lamar Jackson type that can run for a thousand yards and eight touchdowns in a season in addition to what he does through the air? Absolutely has that upside potential. I've been seeing the Josh Allen comp thrown around. That's spicy. Absolutely. Like that top five percentile for what he can be is definitely there. But I think there is a much, much larger probability and scenario that it doesn't happen. And because his job right now is kind of on the hot seat. I would much rather have a young asset that's going to come in and have that long leash. Because for me, yes, you want upside in a dynasty league. That's how you win leagues. But at the quarterback spot, especially if he's your quarterback too, you want a guy that's safe and stable. So I would probably move Jalen Hurts for any first round pick at this point. If I can get one of those top five quarterbacks in this draft, we talked Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. I'm Back probably Daddy taking those Jones. guys over Jalen Hurts at this point. Yeah, this is this is not a good time to buy quarterbacks or running backs. That's why we didn't have any guys in, from those positions in our pre-free agency deep shot buy lows. That's a mouthful right there. We probably need to add a, a name to that segment. But that's why none of those positions were there because all it takes is one draft pick and their value is crushed. Whether it's, okay, now they're going to share you know, 50% of their touches, even 40 or 30% of their touches. If a, if a, like a Kenny Gainwell gets drafted into a backfield, that's going to crush the value for a guy like a James Robinson. Whereas if there's a wide receiver and they bring another guy in, it doesn't necessarily crush all of their value. And then same thing for a quarterback, right? Quarterbacks are so valuable, even if they're not even that efficient, because they're going to be on the field every single snap. If a touchdown gets scored, it's likely going to impact them unless it's on the ground. Like there's just so much more fantasy points to go around for QBs, but I'm a little bit higher on Jalen Hurts than you are because of that rushing upside. You know, we talk more and more how the trend is that you know, if you want to be a top tier fantasy producer at the quarterback spot, you need to have at least 15% of your production come on the ground. And Jalen Hurts definitely checks that box. You know, no, I'd I'd much rather have, you know, a Justin Herbert well over Jalen Hurts, but I'd be willing to sell Jalen Hurts at the 106 or later. I'm definitely not giving up a top five pick for Jalen Hurts, but I think he did show enough to be the starter The sample size was limited, really only had four or five games as a starter uh, or where he played significant snaps. So I think we definitely need to see more from Jalen Hurts. I love the Drew Locke comp in that aspect where, look, he got the hype off a limited sample size, but I think Jalen Hurts showed us a lot more and he showed the upside where if you're excited about Trey Lance, I mean, Jalen Hurts has just as much upside and he's coming off the season where he's already played a number of full NFL games and gave you big fantasy point outings. He had 30 point fantasy outing so that's where I'm a little bit higher on him I would trade a back end first for him uh, if if you're a believer in Jalen Hurts then maybe you'll move the 105 for him the 104 but 
uh, I, I definitely wouldn't recommend that uh, because you're right. You know, one draft pick could just crush his value or even a couple bad games to start next season. Exactly. Uh, the question could start coming in. Even Baker Mayfield was coming into 2021 where, hey, if he had a, a rough stretch, people were going to say that, that he needs the, to be put on the bench. I mean, that's how quickly things can turn around. And it feels like front offices are – giving these quarterbacks less and less time to develop when we see names like Joe Burrow coming out right away and producing. So um, there's definitely some risk in Jalen Hurts, but I think you got to take the upside shot. Uh, You play to win this game, baby. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts, I mean, picked late in round two, and certainly we have seen players come out of round two and much further beyond and be incredible in the league. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, obviously Tom Brady. So him being picked in the back of round two isn't like crippling to – his NFL career, but I I, admittedly, I need to go back and watch some of his film from last season because I remember watching his games being like, Oh my gosh, he is making plays that Carson Wentz was not making. He is using his legs to extend time in the pocket and making throws down the field. Like this is awesome. He's so fun to watch, but going back and looking at the stat sheet, which I will admit is not always the best thing to do. Jalen hurts on paper was not good last season. I mean, he did have one really, really fantastic game. Against Arizona, 338 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Also added a rushing touchdown. But his passing was very, very poor. 52% completion percentage, six touchdowns to four interceptions. And you look at the QBR, which isn't the passer rating. You look at the QBR, which takes into account everything the quarterback does. His QBR last season was 41. Yes, a small sample size, but 41. And just to compare that to some other guys, Cam Newton's was 47. Nick Mullins was 43. Um, Drew Locke was 48. So Andy Dalton was 53. So his QBR was lower than all these guys that are very bottom of the barrel quarterback. So no, I don't think that's a death sentence for Jalen Hurts. You got to consider he wasn't getting reps with the ones all season. He didn't really have a, a preseason or an offseason either. So thrown into a very, very difficult situation with a team that had a lot of injuries. So by no means a death sentence for Jalen Hurts. I think there is a chance he does realize that potential. He does take huge step forward, take huge steps forward this season and emerge as a really, really good dynasty quarterback. I have to admit that that's possible. But for me, if I have Jalen Hurts on my roster, I probably got him with a late second round rookie pick. I probably got him for very, very, very cheap during the season if I traded for him when he was the backup for the Eagles. So if I can turn that around and turn it into the 103, or if I can turn that into one of these top 10 draft pick quarterbacks coming out that are going to have these long leashes, by all means, I'm doing it. And if I make this trade and Jalen Hurts goes off and has an incredible season and is like a top seven quarterback, I still have to look at that as a win-win because hopefully the guy I got in the draft can see that potential in his NFL future. So You're so right. And we get our perception a little bit skewed because Josh Allen was this guy that was kind of like, you know, I won't say the 52% completion rate, that's pretty brutal. But if we look at Josh Allen, his first two seasons, he was under 60% completion, but had the rushing upside that was there. Mm-hmm. And he was scoring a lot of touchdowns on the ground. But it was a guy that I know before, 2020 you and I were having conversations like yeah we don't know how long Josh Allen is going to be the starter there because of his inaccuracies and that's typically the case we just came off a season where the guy took one of the biggest jumps I think we've ever seen at the QB position definitely one of the highest of all time for him to take that massive massive improvement in his game that is not normal and just like you're saying right 
Jalen Hurts could be benched as early as next season. Josh Allen's rookie season, 52% completion percentage. So it's spot on. I don't know if you plan that out ahead of wow. time or what, but we did see it with Josh Allen. So yeah, by all means, not a death sentence for Jalen Hurts. We saw Josh Allen not only improve in his sophomore season, but then you get him a dynamic weapon like Stephon Diggs, and we saw what happened. So for, for Jalen Hurts as well, who was he throwing the ball to last season? I mean, rookie Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham. I, I don't even remember. Deshaun Jackson might have been healthy for one of those games, but he didn't have a lot of help there in Philadelphia. Had a tough offensive line as well. So get some of that stuff in place. Sure, maybe we do see Jalen Hurts take that step forward. But for me, I'm not banking on that Josh Allen level of improvement for Jalen Hurts. Josh Allen's improvement is one that, unlike one that we've seen in the past 10, 20 years uh, for these NFL quarterbacks. What happened to the Eagles, man? The Eagles just imploded. It, they feel like man. one of the grosser teams in the NFL right now. Tough scene. <laughs> well, I think that's it for today's show. Appreciate you guys listening and watching. If you like the show, a like and a sub on YouTube. Always appreciated. Keeps the wind in our sails here at Double Move Sports. We'll keep bringing this content all off-season long and heading into draft season at the end of the summer. It's way too early to start getting hyped for this. I mean, we're still seven months out, but I can't lie. I'm pretty stoked. Uh, But again, appreciate you all listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.